What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wadner, along with my co-host, Will Lomas. Last week, I joked that we were here to do a post-mortem on the Titans season. Um, that might have been right. The, the, season, the season might actually be over because the Titans lost to the Bills on Monday Night Football 41-7. to They got absolutely destroyed in all facets, really, like that there was nothing... Nothing good, really, to take away from this game, but we'll try to find some bright sides if possible. I don't know if Will is maybe a little more uh, rosy on the outlook of the season or on on some some parts of the teams uh, of the team that I am. But man, this was this was just a really depressing depressing game. Like I was in a genuinely very bad mood uh, last night for a lot of reasons, not just because the Titans got boat raced. It was the fashion in which they got boat boat raced and they just they got out coached and they got outplayed it, it, it was it was both of those but i i honestly think it was more uh on the coaching staff and honestly today i'm kind of depressed because i feel like the season is almost already over but <laughs> give, give me some something positive uh i guess it's only week three so you know that the, the we pretty much hit rock bottom can only go up from here right uh, that is decidedly not true. I mean, like, theoretically, right? So, it it's pretty brutal. Like, it, it's an over. Like, the good thing about a seventeen game season with seven playoff teams on each side is that you're really not out of it until like week twelve. And that's if you just go zero and twelve. But it definitely feels like the adjustments you would hope to see get made from week one to week two didn't get made and aren't even being acknowledged at this point. So it's a, it's, it's a pretty bad situation. Like we can go down and break, break down the individual stuff in a minute, but just the macro view of this whole thing is week one, you let a game slip by, you should have beaten the giants. Okay, a new coach, different things you you weren't expecting to see. You had two explosive plays that really changed the game after you dominated the first half. This game was close for a quarter, semi-competitive for a half, because it was only 7-17 to at halftime and the Titans were getting the ball. And then it's, once again, it's like the Titans just went into the locker room and got lost or didn't understand what was happening and just everything they did from then on was pure garbage. And, you know, under Tannehill, the Titans have 
have had their issues, but they've always been a better second half team than a first half team. But they just, you know, they just don't have it. Like they're not making any sort of adjustments. They don't, they don't seem, it, it just, it looks like you're looking at the same picture twice, except the bills have time to adjust to what you're trying to do in the second picture. And it's just, uh, it's, it's a terrible job. What what do you think was the biggest like who's the biggest culprit for for this start to the season? I, I in my opinion it's it's Mike Vrabel. Like yeah, they they they've been dealing with a lot of injuries and I know John Robinson has missed uh on some picks. We could talk about that if you want because since you're very pro John Robinson, I am too for the most part, but I I do think he needs to do a better job uh of hitting on some of these earlier round picks. But I mean the coaching staff doesn't develop them either you know like it has to be a two-way street except for Isaiah Wilson that was obviously just a lost cause Trash, uh, from yeah. the beginning yeah but I don't know man like how do you go into a Monday night game I understand they had injuries at cornerback but how do you go into a game like this and just get absolutely destroyed you're the you were the number one seed last year in the AFC there are potential Super Bowl hopes going into this season and your team just gets destroyed and in the middle of it all, like they look completely undisciplined. They're jumping off sides when it's very clear that Josh Allen is just trying to bait them uh, with the hard count. They're committing penalties that they should not be committing. Um, also, they keep getting injured. And I honestly think that goes back to the coaching staff because clearly the strength and conditioning coach doesn't know what he's doing. This is two seasons already um, and more really that the Titans just can't, they, they can't stay healthy. Like some, something's going on. Uh, they're possibly with their fitness program. I, I don't know. They, it, it really can't be that they just have this bad of injury luck. But I mean, losing forty-one to seven against the team that you're supposed to measure yourself uh, up against the week after completely blowing a game against the Giants at home that you should have won. Like that's on the coach, in my opinion. Yeah, it's 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 on Downing for me, like specifically, but. Uh, the longer that Downing is employed by the Titans, the more poorly it reflects on Mike Vrabel. Because Mike Vrabel does this, right? Like, he protects his guys. And it was like this last year with, uh, I don't know if it was Jeffrey Simmons or who it was, but it's like, we'll talk about Traylon Burks, for example. Like, if if he's asked in a press conference about Traylon Burks, he always says the same things. It's, he needs to be more consistent. He's done some good things out there. We want him to do more. And then he goes out, makes every play, you know, has like 18 yards of reception. He seems to catch everything thrown his way. He gets yards after the catch when any are available. Like, he does everything you could possibly. He blocks like you want him to. Like, he's telling other people where to get lined up last night on a couple of plays, which some of that's just signaling, like, hey, you're on the ball, like all that stuff. But, you know, it's, it's not like he's having to be like spoon fed or anything like that. Like the dude is genuinely a talented receiver who's winning consistently. And Mike Vrabel just does that sort of thing. And you're like, okay, maybe he's doing that to keep him, you know, in check. But whenever it's, there's no accountability when it's like, okay, why did you keep running pitches to the left when your backup left tackle was in? And his response was something like, well, we thought we could, we had something there and we just have to be faster to the ball. And it's like, 
the first you... the first three times wasn't enough for yeah. them to not realize that. Well, it's, I mean, it's come a, it's, on. That's such an embarrassing answer because what you should say is, well, we only had seven plays in the playbook that we thought were going to work this week, and we kept trying that one because Todd Downing kept insisting that it was going to work, and he's our run game coordinator. Because there was nothing there. First of all, why would you think a pitch to the left side would ever work when there's a chance that Vaughn Miller's on that side? Because Vaughn Miller's move is to get upfield. Like, he's not engaging with the offensive tackle and then reading. He's getting upfield. So if you pitch the ball and it's in the air, he, he's going to be back there anyway. And then on top not of that, to they have, the Bills have two of the fastest linebackers. And longest. Linebackers. Like, Edmonds looks yeah. like five. So it's like yeah. you're not like – it, you know, the same reason why pitches to the outside didn't work on the Titans last year when Cunningham was was playing behind like the defensive line when they were going crazy. It like it, it's just dumb ideas. And for a guy who you can tell that he always tells, I, I don't know if it's whatever you want to call him, like the people in the media he talks to, like Diana Rossini and like Ian Rappaport and those types of people, like he tells them, hey, like. I'm really in every meeting room because that's what you, that like the two positives you hear about him consistently are he's in every meeting room and he's he knows every position just like uh, like that nonsense and then he also talks about how uh, I can't can't remember the other other rules how he how well he knows the rules and all that and like look at how well we do against the, like all that stuff that's his agent or whatever but. For somebody who claims to be in all the rooms, there's so many questionable personnel decisions and so many things that happen right in front of him that he seems to just look up at the Jumbotron, watch the replay, and scowl at, and then have no answer for what to do next. Like, he's completely lost. And, you know, I don't know whether there's just really convincing game plan meetings where they're saying, like, look, this is working for... Uh, the Rams, we, you know, if we have Derrick Henry, we can get upfield and make this happen. I don't know what what's happening, but he just looks completely out of energy. Like it, it looks like he doesn't have any any answers to any of the questions. It looks like he's kind of spinning his wheels. Uh, he just he looks. I, I don't know. I mean, he looks bad. Like he looks like a coach who should be on the hot seat at the end of the season if it keeps going like this. Yeah, I mean, I think he was one of the top candidates in terms of, like, betting favorites to be the first coach to have fired. Um, and at, at the beginning of the season, I was like, well, this is this is weird. There's no chance. But after two games, I, I don't know, man. It Like, well, he, might go, he might go down with the Todd Downing ship. Like, this might be yeah. Munchak with, uh, who was it, Jerry Bruce, Gray, I think Bruce, it was? Uh, no, it was uh, Bruce Matthews, the, like— because they were oh, yeah, big buddies yeah. and all that, like, or maybe it was it was, it was Jerry Gray too. I think it was both. I think. Oh no! Same. And it was Rubisky and uh, and Malarkey. Malarkey all, that also, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. What is happened. it with tight ends coaches and just being Dude. too loyal? I don't yeah, know. with bad position coach. So there's another thing we need to talk about, and we can talk about uh, we can talk about it later. But we should talk about the idea of whether this is a talent issue on the roster or whether it's a coaching issue and what, what part is both and what part is on which side? I mean, I don't know. Like pe people were, were trashing on John Robinson last night because of the cornerback depth. 
how was that his fault? Like, no. Uh, okay. So here's, I don't here's understand the thing. that one. Like cornerback. De- First of all, they went into the season with four corners. Like, yeah, that's, you know, more than 29 other teams have. So the problem isn't with the corners. Like McCreary looks good. I mean, McCreary looks capable and, you know, say what you want about Caleb Farley. He was always going to be a project and he tore his ACL like 12 snaps into his rookie year last year. Like he's still going to have to forget about that sometimes. Honestly, like Like, I kind of forget that he just had his season completely cut short by that. Yeah. So it's like you're talking about a guy who was an athletic freak who's got, uh, you know, great intangibles in terms of like his his measurables and his, his apparent work ethic and all that but he doesn't know how to play corner. Like it's going to take him time, but he showed it at a high level last year. But then this year you start him off on the outside and that's great. And then you say, well, we're going to start McCreary and Fulton on the outside. And then we're going to bring you in some, like it, there's just no, it's been an inconsistent path. And I'm not saying anybody should have a spot guaranteed, but this is the problem, right? This past draft was clearly a response to how many players were injured. And this whole offseason was about building depth so that if you have a few key pieces get hurt, you have the depth behind it to make it work. Now, they hoped that that would happen week nine and ten and not week one and two, but here we are. So it's just – hold on, let me quiet my dog. We're keeping this in the podcast episode, by the way. That's That's fine. My dog just – responding to my anger Uh, so when you draft for depth right so when you draft McCreary the opportunity cost of that is okay now Caleb Farley may not get the developmental reps you need okay when you draft Nicholas Petit Frere Dylan Radins may not get the developmental reps he need and and that that go that you know that cascades downward so when you have these picks stack on top of each other and the best player, you know, gets to play, great, but you're going to make some picks from last year redundant. I don't think anybody's watched McCreary and said, that guy doesn't belong on the football field. Like, he's a he's a legitimately good corner already as a rookie, and that's great. But the cost of that is you don't get to see Farley develop, and we've seen – how many corners have we seen the Titans bring in where they've struggled for the first four games, and then the, the next 12 or 13, they've been great. I mean, it's what happened with – jackrabbit jenkins it's what happened with logan ryan and malcolm butler like that it's just the way it goes for whatever reason so that there's this overreaction that the last two draft classes are bad and you know they, they're obviously not great but at the same time you know we don't know what farley's going to be he's still a developmental guy elijah molden's good when he's in uh but he's just been hurt to start the year which is not something that's common for him it's just something that happened Rashad Weaver had two sacks in the opener. Like, it, you know, it, there's this mis, you know, Naquan Jones play. Th- there's talent from that class. And then the one before had Christian Fulton and Tier Tart. And it, it wasn't as good, obviously, but, you know, every GM misses. But the problem all goes back to how is your personnel deployed? And, you know, you can see it with the offense, right? Because, we still don't know how good Burks and Kyle Phillips can be because they only get 40% of the snaps because the Titans have to make room for snaps 
to Jeff Swaim and Nick Westbrook-Hina and all these guys who they're already, you know, committed to and that they already have affection for, and you waste these this time with these guys. And so Tannehill has five skill players out there, one play. Then there's a wholesale change, and there's five more skill players, and th- there's this constant rotation, and he's doing his best to keep it together. And uh, for the most part, the passing game works. It's just, you know, when you have – I think they had on the first drive they had like three plays of four or three passes of fourteen or longer, and then after that it was like, you know, the rest of the game there just weren't that many because it would be screen pass for twenty yards, hold brings you back fifteen yards, you pitch left, now you're in second twenty eight oh, and you've got your backup left tackle because Taylor Wan's injured, so it's just it I, it's so hard to evaluate this roster because of the things the coaching staff is doing. Yeah, and I really don't want to make this a pro-John Robinson podcast because we don't have Luke here to kind of splash cold water on that. Uh, So I kind of have to toe the line a little bit, but it really has just been like 2021 and 2020 that have kind of tainted John Robinson's resume. Um, and 2020 had, of course, the Isaiah Wilson situation. That, that was bad. That, that was a disaster. Uh, Darrington Evans could not stay healthy. Um, Christian Fulton is good. Uh, and then the rest were, you know, a fifth-round pick and two se- seventh-round picks. One of them was Chris Jackson, who's a pretty solid uh, depth piece. And then, like you said, the undrafted guys as well. 2021, Caleb Farley doesn't look good, but, man, he's only played five games. Like, he's only played five NFL games. I think we need to, like, actually give him some time to to figure this out before um, before we come to any true conclusions about him. Uh, plus, you mentioned the ACL tear last year also. He's still coming back from that. He also came into the league with a back injury. Like, he's never truly been uh, completely healthy. So, we don't know. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if in two years we're looking back at him as, as like, a, a full-time uh, good starter. So I don't know. Uh, Radens doesn't look great, but I don't know, man. Like, is he worse than Dennis Daly? No. The the coaching staff just completely hates him. And he looked fine when he played against the Niners last year. He didn't look that great in preseason this year, but we went back, we watched the games, and he was fine. He really wasn't that bad. But they don't even they don't even trust him to put him in when Taylor Luong gets injured. So I just feel like. I mean, and the rest of that draft really wasn't bad at all. Monty Rice and Elijah Molden have looked really good when healthy. Same with Rashad Weaver. Racy McMath is a really solid special teams player um, and was making some stride, strides as a receiver this offseason. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick was a terrible pick. That, like, they should have drafted him on Ross St. Brown. We're going to be hearing about that one for a while, but the rest yeah. really isn't that bad, you know? Um, yeah, so, and, and this, this, this year's draft looks looks honestly like one of his best uh drafts probably behind uh 2019 like every almost the entire draft class might be starters um by the end of this Brable uh downing tenure that that seems like it might be coming out close uh within the the next couple of years yeah it's it's difficult because it's like like you said like there's obvious misses like Fitzpatrick for sure, Wilson for sure, like Raidens. Raidens may never start. Like I, I mean, I believe he'll start somewhere in the league, but he may never start a game for the Titans, and that just is what it is. But at the same time, like 
you've got you've got to understand what a good GM looks like because we've had this conversation before. Like if you average three starters in a draft class that are starting by their second year and one of them is a pro bowl player, then that's a great class. If it's, if one of them is not a pro bowl player and they're just an above average starter, that's a solid class. Like just when you look at the league, like, and like what draft classes look at year to year. So people have an unreal expectation because the Titans don't get any further than, you know, they did last year or whatever that, well, Mike Vrabel won coach of the year. It's like Mike Vrabel won coach of the year because nobody watched the Titans games. I mean, full, full disclosure, like he was not coach of the year. Like, and we said at the time, I like, I called it before the Rams game even happened that that was going to, that this is the exact narrative that, that, that I remember that. Wanted. I remember and that. <laughs> it's just Mike Vrabel is a visible, is one of the recognizable faces because he played on the Patriots. He is a recognizable face with friends in the North Northeast, which means that he's going to be mentioned a lot on ESPN because they're located in Bristol, Connecticut. Then uh, it's a team that nobody watches. So that when they're looking for somebody to pin success on, if Derrick Henry's hurt, they don't know who else to talk about. You know, if AJ Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry are all hurt, what well, can't be Tannehill because they didn't publish, you know, he wasn't publicized when they were in Miami and he's not putting up 5,000 yards a year because they don't throw the ball. So who are we going to put success on? Okay, let's put it on Mike Vrabel and then sprinkle some on Kevin Byard and Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry. It's like, that's fine, but there's nothing. Mike Vrabel doesn't add anything to a football team schematically. He does not like the things he does schematically are poor. Like the one year that we've seen, or I guess the two, when you include his year as the Titans DC, but that that's bad. He is a pure locker room leader type guy, which is, is fine. There's, there's a, there's room for that in the NFL, but only if you surround yourself with smart coordinators and only if you know when to cut bait with the coordinators that you're hooked on to. And as always was going to be the case, you can only keep making the right hire so many times. Like there's a reason why so many long-term coaches are great coordinators first. So here we are and we'll see what happens going forward. But it, the early season results are not good. And it's, sort of pointing out what savvy Titans fans have been keeping an eye on the whole time, which is how much of the team's success is on Mike Vrabel's ability to actually call things and how much of it is him being a good motivational, like inspirational guy, and then relying on other people to make good calls. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to diminish what Mike Vrabel did last year because I do think he did a very good uh, coaching job overall, but I have to wonder, like, just how lucky the Titans got in in order to get the one seed. On uh, the fact that a lot of it was driven just by how good the defense uh, was playing, and by all accounts, he wasn't the one that was controlling the defense uh, a after he did uh, in 2020, and it was a disaster. So I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. Uh, about Vrabel I will say I feel like there's a disconnect between him and John Robinson like John Robinson is drafting you these guys maybe they're not all amazing but they should be on the field 
instead of some of these inferior talents um, like Nick Westbrook-Akine playing over Traylon Burks uh, and Kyle Phillips, uh, Dennis Daly playing <laughs> over Dylan Radins. Um, Dennis Haley, he, he's been a Titan for like two weeks. Like, what are we doing here? It's just insane, man. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get, I don't, I don't get what they're doing, but it is what it is. I, there's also a disconnect, it seems, between Ryan Tannehill and the coaching staff. He had a quote, uh, last night. He said, it would have been huge if we could have gotten some points before halftime, but it was the coach's decision knowing they would get the ball coming out of halftime. So, I read that as, I don't know what the coaches are doing. Uh, I don't agree with the coaches, with what the coaches are doing. Um, for reference, they had a minute before halftime to get something going, and they just had a piss-poor offensive drive, which has just become the norm uh, under Todd Downing. And I don't know, man. I think Tannehill is getting super frustrated with just how bad Todd Downing is handling the offense. Uh, with the personnel decisions that he makes and some of these drives that look look horrific just 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 they don't look like football they they look like some sort of some other sport that 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 is not football um because they make everything look hard uh, and most of the calls just don't make any sense uh, aside from the first drive first drive looked looked great i i thought we were going to get a decent offensive game um and then it all it, it came it, it came Back to, to the Todd Downing awful offense for the entire game. So, what do you think? What do you make of this Tannehill thing? Like, do you think do you think the Malik Willis draft pick has something to do with it as well, or do you think he's just frustrated uh, with how part of my French shitty the coaching is at the moment? Yeah, like I <laughs> Malik may be awesome one day. I think uh, Tannehill doesn't care about I mean I, I don't think Malik's anything to even get close to concern in Tannehill like so I don't think he's worried about that pick I think it's more the fact that I mean Mike Frable's just calling stuff scared like he's he's being a like playing for a field goal at the end of the game against the Giants that's scared bad football you know I I, I didn't bring it up last week but I did in the group message we have with Luke I, I mentioned that he's just calling stuff scared I mean he just he acts like he doesn't believe that his team can win games and that he's just like he's so scared of like trying to actually go for things but when they go for it it works i, I mean i don't i think they've gone for it on fourth the would they go for it on fourth down twice last night either once or twice and basically any time they've given uh, the offense uh, under Tannehill, like when they let him go hurry up because Last night, with a minute before the half, they had a first. They got a first down, I believe, and they got a first down. And then it, they were, you know, that that was the play where it was. He threw it to Burks, and then the guy got uh, ambulanced off the field. Not even carted, like full ambulance off the field when Edmonds tried to put that dirty hit on Burks. And then uh, the next play, Aaron Brewer just gets run over, and Tannehill gets sacked. And with two timeouts, instead of taking a timeout and adjusting and then going for another shot, because they were, I mean, they were hitting passes like they were hitting. I think that was the fifth or sixth 10 plus yard pass that they'd hit um, in the first half. And they'd only had the ball like four times three. I think that was their fourth possession. So they were moving the ball well passing. So you would think, OK, you move the ball well. You took a sack. Fine. You're almost at midfield. Take your timeout you know, to see what you can do. But 
they just ran the clock out. And, and it's just another example of, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there is a disconnect in how aggressive they want to be because I, I get it from Tannehill's perspective because from Tannehill's perspective, the running game is trash and it may get there at some point, but you know, Henry averaged like 1.5 yards last night. A lot of that is on Todd Downing for calling the, the three or four pitch plays that lost like 20 yards combined or 16 or whatever it was, because there were some positive plays early in that game on the ground. But for the large majority of the offensive success has been when Tannehill has been passing the ball and it's been off play action. And so I think he's very frustrated that the the opening drives, for whatever reason, probably because they're, you know, we, we've had some debate about this, but there's a, a pretty obvious connection to Tim Kelly getting hired and the passing game doing better, looking more efficient, featuring more play action passes and the scripted plays going better. Like there's a pretty clear one to one there, like. All of last year, Downing scored 17 points on opening drives. And in two games, the Titans have scored a touchdown each time on opening drives. And then after that, the offense has completely fallen apart. So whether you want to call it a logical leap or whether you want to call it clear connecting the dots and common sense, it, Kelly's call it, Kelly has a large influence on uh, the opening script, the stuff that's working. So I can see why Tannehill says, okay, great. We're going to use this playbook, this this thin 10-play playbook, and then after that, maybe Todd Downing can see some of that stuff and use it, and nope, they just go empty and you know have two tight ends and a fullback on the field, and then Cody Hollister is one of the other receivers, and I mean, if I was him, I'd be frustrated too. Uh, like, I, it, it it's, it's a bad look because... We're we're on this precipice of okay. It, we're we have about five or six more weeks to figure this out, and if you don't figure it out by then, there's no reason not to tank. I mean, like you've got a young enough roster where it's like cool. This we're just going to call this the last season for Dupree and Autry and Taylor Lewan and. Cunningham and and all the older guys except for Kevin Byard and Robert Woods and just have a mass exodus of those guys and potentially Derrick Henry too and Ryan Tannehill and just say okay like let's let's reshuffle and see what happens next year so this is uh it's it's interesting because Mike Vrabel seems to be convinced that he knows what he's doing despite everything on tape saying that he doesn't so we'll see yeah, I I mean, yeah, that would be crazy if they if they have to tank, but it's possible. They have a really tough schedule, and they just do not look like a good team right now. Uh, thankfully, the AFC South is just terrible, and they could win it with possibly eight wins. Like, it would not surprise me at all. But I don't know. Playing like they're playing right now, they won't even get to eight wins. So we'll see. We can go through the schedule uh, later on. There's just there's so much to talk about. Like. We, we touched on Henry a little bit. Uh, are, are you concerned about him? I, I thought he looked okay at the beginning of the game, to be honest with you. Um, like you said before the pitches, but this O-line is not good. Like, they they do not run block very well. Um, they got destroyed in pass blocking, which we could have seen that coming. The Bills have a ferocious 
uh, defensive line, and the Titans offensive coaching staff did absolutely nothing uh, to counter it at, per usual. But um, what do you think about Henry? Do you think he's going to get it resolved, or are we just looking at an aging uh, running back as has become so custom in the NFL? It's it's almost impossible to say right now because he's having to learn how to deal with an off, a new offensive line, but it's already changed. I mean, we've already got we've gone through two games and we've already had two combinations because Lawan's gone out. So, you know, there's no consistency. So that that always makes things difficult. And then what makes it even worse is he looks like he's not seeing things like it like. The first play of the game, I think, was a two-yard gain, but he ran right into the back of to the, the right, uh, right. Yeah, it was like it was like right. It yeah. was like the right a gap, and then if you look to the left, yeah, open space. I, I remember that. Yeah, there's thirty yards of open space and ten yards from the end man on the line of scrimmage to the corner. I mean, any time in his career, not even just the good years, like even as a rookie, like whenever he would have bounced that to the left side and it would have been a 40 yard run at minimum. And he just continued to run into the back of the center and just like, I mean, he just looks bad. Like he, he, he looks, he's always looked kind of slow on pitches. Like I've never understood why they've done that with him, but it's just, it, it looks, it looks bad. Like, I mean, it, it now, we can say all that, and we've never seen a game this bad from him. But having said all that, you know, this is not the time of year when he thrives. So, you know, can he get? To, can he be a good functional back in November and December? Yeah, absolutely. Like if he stays healthy, sure. You know, he only has like thirty-five rushing attempts so far. So, you know, he he's not he. You know, by this he had double that this time last year. So. There shouldn't be too much wear and tear on him. I don't imagine they'll feature him very much in in the next upcoming. I mean, he'll still get his 20 touches or whatever if it's competitive, but I don't think we see a 30-touch game. So, uh, you know, he should be relatively fresh, but I don't know. Like, I I don't think he provides anything right now. I mean, if I were the the coaches, I'd change a dozen things that they do, but – if I were the offensive coaches, I would want to see what Haskins looked like running the ball downhill, like behind the starting offensive line. He looked line. good. He looked good last night. Yeah, I he, I, I'm pretty sure he was going up against backups, but he looked yeah. solid, man. I mean, I like I would at least see and say like, hey, maybe we have him touch it five to ten times. That way, when he's or or Hilliard or whoever's in, and just say, okay, look, like. If we're going to run passes with him and we don't want to tip our hand, we're going to run the ball with him some. Don't worry about it, Derek. You'll get your touches, blah, blah, blah. And then push it down the line. And if he's still healthy and he's getting better and better like he does historically, okay, great. Like, it's, you know, Derek Henry time. Let the running game lead you and it gets cold. But right now, the running game is killing the Titans. I mean, I mean, it is crippling their drives to the point where it, you need – either several explosive plays to score or you need uh, a a 12 to 13 yard drive or a 12 to 13 play drive. So I, it, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how Mike Vrabel can come out with a straight face and say that they hang their hat on the running game and Derrick Henry right now, because 
there's nothing that shows you anything above average about him right now. And again, like that may sound harsh and it's not, it's not that Derrick Henry can't be like a, a 1500 yard running back. He can't, he, he absolutely can depending on how they give it to him and how well the blocking is and all that. But the problem is it's the same problem that we've had forever is your team should be structured to feature your quarterback highlight what he does well, and then work everything else off that. If you're not doing that, you're just going to lose games. So if you're insistent on making an offense around Derrick Henry and you're not even doing that well because you're calling dumb pitches behind backup tackles, uh, what are we doing? Yeah, not not sure if I could say it any better than that. I truly think the Titans coaching staff is is dumb. I like, I like, at least offensive coaches like Downing. And obviously, Brable at this point, like they're just dumb, man. They 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 don't know what they're doing. They're it, any person like who has watched the Titans since Derrick Henry has gone here knows that Derrick Henry is a supremely slow starter. He just doesn't look good in the first month of almost every season. Even last year, like he started off a little better, but he really wasn't averaging that many yards per carry. Uh, it wasn't amazing, and then the other seasons just he looked terrible um, in, in the first month. So, if that is the case, and Derrick Henry's getting older, obviously that's probably going to be the case this year as well. I mean, they see him at practice; they they saw him uh, in the first game. Wouldn't you want to tailor your offense around the passing game instead of just running into a brick wall after brick wall? Uh, but no, but no, but no. Like, like, why would they? Why would the? Why would Todd Downing ever, ever do something that made uh, any sort of sense? Uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on before we stop talking about this godforsaken game, uh, the defense. What? What were they doing? They went back to the Dick Lobo played ten yards off of the receivers uh, on every play, just get gashed. In in every single way, the Bills didn't even have to run the ball. They didn't even try to run the ball. They were like, oh, we're just going to pass all over this team. And why not? It, it was very easy to do so. I know the Titans had injuries at cornerback. Obviously, that played a factor in it. But they still had Amani Hooker and Kevin Byard. Why was Stephen Diggs getting one-on-one coverage against Trey Avery so often? Why are you putting these guys on an island against supremely talented receivers? I Like, I don't... Can you explain, Will, can you explain what their philosophy was uh, for this game in terms of pass defense? Because I just, I do not understand uh, what their plan was at all. Yeah, Vrabel tried to explain it after the game, and I forget it was Tehran or whoever asked him, but they were like, why didn't, with no wide receiver two, and one of the best wide receiver, like, wide receivers in the NFL, why why don't you give him special attention? And Mike Brable was like, well, we kind of, we tried to roll the safety and disguise it some. And it's like, no, like, that's not the question. The question isn't, wasn't, why did you do what you did? It's why didn't you do it correctly? Because look, there's historically, there's two ways to, to slow down a, a wide receiver in that situation, right? It's you either put your second best qu- uh, corner on him and you shadow him and you stack the safety over the top and you roll safety help all night long, or you put your best corner on him 
and then you just you, you try to pressure and you know give him help that way. But the Titans did neither of those things. Like the pressures they were bringing were. It's an it's another part of this scared defense. It's the same thing they did against Kyler Murray, where they're so scared to try to attack because they don't think that their back seven can move around fast enough and remember their rules correctly and play a running quarterback well that they don't end up trying to get creative and pressure like moving quarterbacks. So uh, like last night, they just were pretty passive and it was nobody get off of your man until like the, until you're ready to like shed and make a tackle and all, all this kind of stuff. And there was virtually no pass rush on uh, Josh Allen. So they would just have, uh, they would, you know, have time to say, okay, like this is the coverage. I'll just wait until the receiver gets to this part of his route to throw it because there's no pressure. Like, and it's, it was bad technique by Avery. It was on, on the touchdown catch. It was bad game planning by the defense, whether it was Bowen or Vrabel or whoever. It, it just, twice now in back-to-back weeks the titans have let the other team's best offensive player beat them and in a way where it was almost like it didn't matter what you did on offense because all the other team would have to do is keep throwing it or run you know if the giants just handed it to saquon uh, the titans weren't doing anything to stop that like uh, they didn't seem to have any plan for that or have any way to counter that and you know against Diggs, it was just like okay like would you like another 40 yard pass? Because we would love for you to have one. So it, it's just like, it's just a bad job. And it looks a lot like what the Titans did in 2020 when Vrabel was calling the defense, because even then it was like, okay, towards the middle of the year, they started to move their corners around and try to match guys more. But then there was like one injury, like back with Malcolm Butler, but then they stopped doing that and they went back to being awful. And it was just, it it just it lo- it just looks bad and and I don't I don't know why whether it's Mike Frabel's influence or whether it's Bowen or whatever I don't know why that's the plan but whew, it's it's just it's it's god awful. Yeah. Also, I, I know Caleb Farley looked bad and I know he hasn't looked good pretty much in any game NFL game that he's played um, so far. But you're putting Trey Avery out there to just get completely eviscerated over over Caleb Farley, even over I, – I would have I played Lonnie Johnson at quarterback or, or Josh Kalou instead of Trey Avery. Like, what was that about, man? I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the personnel decisions that this coaching staff makes on both sides of the ball. It is super weird, man, super weird. It happened last week with Dylan Cole on the on the two-point conversion. Well, uh, it keeps happening with Cody Hollister and, and you know, uh, Nick Westbrook-Akine over, over Traylon Burks. And I don't I'm They did uh, it with I'm, Joe I'm, Jones, I'm sick too. Of it. Like Joe Jones. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it's like on fourth down, you have Joe Jones out there covering a tie. Like, it, it's, it, it's all Vrabel's. Like, Vrabel's great for culture. Cool. Like, but his whole thing is next man up. We need everybody to win. You know, you have to step up and do your job. Okay. But Trey Avery is not Christian Fulton and Joe Jones is not David long. Like 
you have to see that these are different humans and understand what one can do and what like it, it's like he just doesn't it's like he sees blank jerseys with no names on the back of them and he just puts player a where he wants player a to go and then sometimes he'll move them around and it's got no it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter what that player does well it doesn't matter how that results in it's huh that's weird that player must have done something wrong anyway let's go to the next play like it's just an abject failure like and and it doesn't mean that it'll last forever but it is something that Vrabel does a lot and really has to be convinced that players shouldn't be like he has to get beaten by something before he admits he's clearly wrong. Yeah, uh, I'm sick of it. Uh, let's take a quick ad break here uh, so we can actually make some money from this podcast, and then we'll come back. We're 40, 44 minutes in, and honestly, we can keep talking about this game, but uh, we're going to cut it there, and then when we come back from the ad break, we'll talk about uh, the Times Week 3 opponent, the Las Vegas Raiders. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Uh, the Titans follow up the game against the Bills in week three against the Las Vegas Raiders. Thankfully, this game's at home, although lost the home opener against the Giants, so I don't know how much of an advantage uh, that really is. I'm expecting a lot of Raiders fans uh, to pile into to Nissan Stadium uh, this week. Is, is this a must-win game? Do you think, Will, or I don't know. Do you think it's a must-win game? No, not really, because, I. well, first of all, it's not just for purely because the entire NFL is sort of bad this year. I think there's like four undefeated teams or something. Like the Bengals are 0-2, uh, the Ravens are 1-1, one one, the Browns. Are like There's so many teams that – even if they look good week one, they ended up losing this past week or they've still fallen on their face. Like it basically half of the league is just one. And I say half, I would say 70% of the league is just one win ahead of the Titans. So, you know, it does it suck that the Titans are Owen to. Yeah. Does it suck that they got beaten down so badly? Yeah. But when you walk into that buzzsaw and you basically, you take on Buffalo in Buffalo for their first game home 
after they're, they're full of confidence because they just beat the defending Super Bowl champs convincingly. And when you go there and play them and, you know, don't do anything unexpected and your stars don't perform and your coaches, you know, fail the team, you expect to lose. Now, does that mean they're going to lose forever? No. But they're, they're in they're in the end of a difficult schedule. And the Raiders are 0-2 as well. So it's not like they have everything figured out either. So they've clearly got deficiencies that they need to figure out and that they need to adapt to. So they just played an overtime game with the Cardinals that, you know, really seemed to drain them and sort of exposed what kind of flaws they might have. So may, maybe you can take something away from that. But is it a must-win game? Probably not. Like, the more specific answer is nine wins probably wins the AFC South at this point. I mean, the Colts got shut out by the Jaguars. The Jaguars lost to the Commanders in week one, and, you know, they only really made it a game late. Uh, The Texans look like a team that's going to score 17, and they're going to be difficult to score points on after that. But if you can score more than 20, you can beat them. So if the Titans just take care of business in the AFC South, which may be asking a lot this year, but if they go 5-1 and in the AFC South, I think with the other teams they have on their schedule and the talent that they have on the roster, they should be fine. Like we can go through the roster or we can go through the record, but, or the schedule, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if the Titans have a winning record by week six. Like it it wouldn't shock me if they quickly turned it around and adapted because, you know, if Derrick Henry is the Derrick Henry we've seen forever if they continue to feature the right guys on offense in terms of Traylon Burks and Austin Hooper had a 19 yard pass last night before things got out of hand and like if you keep featuring the right guys and those guys grow into their role and you get Molden back off the IR and you get Racy McMath back off the IR like and you you don't even have to necessarily get healthier but you have to like if you get pieces back and you adjust over time which who knows if they'll do that, but it's not like the road to a winning season is impossible because they got drummed by the bills. Uh, so is it a must win? No, but a win this week is sort of like last year. I think it was week five. Uh, the Titans played the bills last, and then they, they needed basically to get to two and two and they had to play, the let's see it was cardinals uh jaguars jets and then colts and they had they they should have been three and one in that time but they ended up being two and two and being two and two instead of three and one felt like it was going to be a death sentence and then all of a sudden a team that couldn't do anything beat buffalo at home and then they played kansas city on a short week and shut out patrick mahomes and you know uh, they didn't, you know, Mahomes didn't score a point and they had to kick a field, a desperation field goal at the end of the game just to not be shut out. So things can turn quickly in the NFL and the rest of the NFL is doing so poorly that they should still have a chance. But I, I'm at this point, I'm talking in circles because I'm, I'm trying not to sound overly optimistic, but I'm trying to remind everybody that it is terrible. All that stuff we said at the beginning is still true. But having said that, like some context of, you know, if you make a 40 whatever yard field, 47 yard field goal, or if you 
you know, aren't call and play scared and you make the 40 yard field goal and, you know, it's your one and one at this point, you just felt like you had one really bad game and it's time to bounce back now, but it, it would go a long way if they could win this game. Yeah. I, if, if you think about it, they're following the same arc as, as last season. Like they got blown out by the Cardinals. In this case, we can say they got blown out by the bills. Um, they just did it in a different order because they ended up losing to a bad New York team, uh, in week four last year, they didn't week one this year. Um, and they're Oh, and two instead of, you know, starting two and two, but I mean, they, they might get to two and two, uh, within these next couple weeks. Um, so I don't know, like, <laughs> I, I do not know what to, what to make of this season. Uh, so far, I, I don't think this is necessarily a must win game against the Raiders. They should win. I, I mean, the Raiders are kind of kind of terrible, man. Like, I don't know if you saw the game uh, on Sunday, but they just blew a lead in, in outstanding fashion uh, to Kyler Murray. Uh, it was crazy, but it was classic. It was classic Raiders because Derek Carr went into I'm not throwing the ball more than one yard down the field mode, and then they couldn't move the ball on offense for the entire uh, third and fourth quarter. They end up losing the game because of it. Um, week one, Derek Carr threw three interceptions, looked terrible. Like he's a bad, he's not a good quarterback. Like, and the Titans should be able uh, to hold him in check, theoretically. Uh, and they should be able to score on the Raiders' defense, which really isn't all that great. Um, they really don't have too much talent uh, aside from Max Crosby uh, and Chandler Jones, which I mean that could be an issue for the Titans' offensive line, but. They should win this game, but even if they don't, I think the most important games are, are the four weeks after this one. They play they play the Colts, they play the Washington Commanders, they play the Colts again, and then they play the Texans. I mean, win those four games, and you really set yourself up nicely uh, for the rest of the season, especially because they got, after that, they got the, ch- you know what, let's just go through, let's just go through the time schedule. And, and well, I was just going to say that, that four-game schedule you talked about, there's one win between that, that four-team schedule because the Colts yeah. have zero, the Commanders have one, and the Texans have zero. So, you know, it's like as bad as it looks now, like if the Titans – and again, the Titans are terrible at beating bad teams. So maybe this is – you know, the hard thing is they used to be good at beating the good teams. So yeah. – but all right, let's go through the schedule. Yeah, okay. Well, let's go through it. They're 0-2 right now. Um, do you think they beat the Raiders? Uh – at home i do yeah I'll, 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 I'll say yeah yeah they have to bounce back if they if they don't like bad bad vibes all around anyway okay then they play the colts at home at the colts home sorry at the colts home uh yeah like i think they beat the colts like, i think i think the colts are awful yeah that team's terrible uh hopefully yeah. michael Pittman is still out for that game so we'll see then they play Washington on the road. Uh, yeah, they're they're starting centers out for the year it seems like, and uh, Carson Wentz kind of reverted back to full Carson Wentz, even though they made they made it look like a game late. They were getting absolutely yeah. pounded. Yeah, that defense, man, what is going on? Ron Rivera has never had a defense um, that devoid of I don't know, just they, they don't know what they're doing anyway. Uh, chalk that up as a win. Then they play the Colts again at home this time. 
Well, that's after a bye week. So you get the bye week, week six. Oh, yeah, the bye week. Yeah. Yeah. So then you host the Colts after that. I I don't know the Titans records off of bye weeks off the top of my head, but I'm fairly sure it's pretty good. Like it's like like 90% off the bye. So you're playing a common opponent that you just played and you're hosting them. Uh, I would say that's a win, but again, because I think the Colts are terrible. Yeah, I mean, I could see them splitting, but we'll see. Uh, then they play the Texans in Houston. The Texans' offense is a, is an absolute disaster. Davis Mills looks really bad. I, I thought he looked solid last year, but this year he cannot get anything going, and they just don't have a lot of talent. I, I'm going to say that this is a win. So we're we're saying that they're going to win five in a row at this point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, which, I, which I know they're bad. Yeah. But, I mean, I could see them lo- dropping either the Colts game or the Commanders game on the well, road. Well, again, like you said, like, uh, there's that, you know, Raiders zero win, Colts zero wins, Washington one win, Colts zero wins. They're not good teams. Wins, so <laughs> They're it's just like, as bad yeah, as like, us. <laughs> yeah, right now it's like, you know, and you get to host two of those games and one of them's after a bye week. So, yeah. you know, like, it's not it's not crazy, but, okay, so now we're at five and two. You know what? Let, let's give him a loss uh, in, in one of the culture commanders games. Let's be uh, let's be a little bit. Uh, let's call it. Let's just call it a Colts like at Colts. They lose because yeah, yeah. That's what that's what the Titans do to John, break your heart. That's what they do. That's yeah. Matt good win goes off the for like yeah. three fifty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when sure. they play shell like prevent defense from yeah. the target. Okay, so let's say they're at four and three, and then they go into this <laughs> just brutal stretch. Uh, well, not really. It, it, not it's really kind of brutal. The Broncos, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, for, first they play the Chiefs in Kansas City. I no. Don't I, even I don't show think... up. Yeah, just don't. Yeah, go. yeah. Like, no reason to. Is that a Thursday night? No, that's a Sunday. Sunday, Sunday night. night. Ooh, yeah. That is prime time, babe. Although that's Sunday, not great. Although mid middle of the year prime time no, games, yeah. Titans kind of do well. Be. If but Derrick Henry's cooking at that time, maybe, absolutely, but... absolutely going to go ahead and pencil that in as an L. Did I just give him a W? I'm struggling with. Uh, no, with no chance. The... Let's. So no, no, right no. now we should be at uh, okay, okay, four okay. and four. Is that right? Say four and four. Yeah. yeah. Then they play Denver at home. <laughs> the Denver so they, an they absolute disaster. And man, like Russ looks cooked. I mean, like yeah, he, like, he looks. Yeah. The defense was supposed to be really good, and they were solid, but they also kind of got punked out by Geno Smith for a half. So, like, there's a lot of injuries between now and then, but I, I'm I'm going to say that, that if, if we're going to go ahead and give them a loss earlier to one of these other teams, I'm going to go ahead and give them a win yeah. to the Broncos at home. Yeah, I am too. That Nathaniel Hackett is not cut out to be a head coach in the NFL. I, I don't even know if he's going to make it <laughs> to that game, honestly. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, following the Broncos, they play man the pack in the Packers in Green Bay on a short week uh, on Thursday night. That has the makings of of a pretty bad loss, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the the Packers, I don't know. The offensive line is a little sketchy, but the Packers uh, have their sh- problems. But like that, you know. Yeah. They they showed up and put up seven points in a playoff game last year. But, yeah. you know, the Titans have put up seven points in back-to-back yeah. games. So, we'll, or, or not back-to-back games, but have put some points in uh, the last game that matters. So, yeah, like, we'll, we'll go ahead and still give that one to the Packers. 
So what's that, five and five? That is, yep, five and five, going into a home game against the Bengals, who <laughs> might have the worst offensive Dude, line in the league. Yeah, I don't know what's like, going on. I don't know if Burrow's going to be hit. Like, I'm not, I'm not like saying, yeah. like, we do curse, he's going to have a torn ACL. But, I mean, he's getting rocked. Yeah, you're not wrong. Lot. You're not like, wrong. And that, and it's it's not going to get easier, especially against a Titans offensive line that seems to know how the passing or seems to know how the offense wants to call like the pass protection because, I mean, they were attacking that pretty well, and they had them at home in a sort of revenge game for the Titans, just another game on the schedule for the Bengals. So I don't know that they win that game, but I. I don't think the Bengals right now are in the same league as any of the other like good teams we've mentioned. Yeah, Bengals look, uh, they don't look great. I, I'm going to say the Titans win that game. Uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt at home um, and with the defensive line uh, versus offensive line matchup. Uh, but I definitely think it'll be a close one. So, then they play, we're at 6-5 and five right now. Yes. Then they play Philadelphia on the road. Eagles look really good. They both sides of the ball look really solid. Uh, I don't. I don't think Hertz is going to keep this efficiency up for the entire season. Uh, but given that it's on the road in Philly, the AJ Brown <laughs> revenge game, um, I, I, I don't think the Titans win this one. No. So I think they probably split between the Bengals and the Eagles game. The weird yeah. thing is, somebody was talking about this today. I don't know if it's Easton Freeze or whoever it was, but they were talking about it today, and they were talking about the teams that start out so hot uh, that come out of nowhere, kind of, to start the season. Like, in 2020, it was uh, the Steelers bouncing back after uh, Big Big Ben for what was out for a year, and then he came back, and they were so hot to start the year, and the Titans and uh, Steelers matched up when they were both, like, 5-0. and And then they completely trailed off by December. And then the same thing with Arizona where they completely shut down by December. And it's just, it's so hard to start hot and finish hot that, and, and again, we're all pretty aware of AJ Brown's injury history. Not that he, I mean, I, I'm sure he's going to make every attempt to go at this point. And that's sort of their recipe of disaster, for disaster in terms of a mobile quarterback. But you know, having said that, like, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they go one and one and they split these two games between the Bengals and the Eagles. Yeah. So, so we call right Eagles now, a win and then Eagles yeah. a loss. Correct. So we have them at six and six. Uh, by the way, I'm looking at the schedule. Who made the schedule? Because they didn't give the Titans two back to back home games. Actually, no, they did at the end. Yeah, at the at very the end. end. Because yeah. it's because it's one of those it's years weird. where we have seven home games as opposed to nine road oh. games. Because the, so uh, oh, so we got screwed. <laughs> well, the good thing is you get sort of these weird like so uh, going back to the Thursday night game against the Packers, the Titans will have extra time and they'll host the Bengals. Oh, so yeah. like you get, and I, I don't know if the Bengals have a bye week before or what, but like. They they and they have a bye week and then they host the Colts like earlier in the season. So it's like they get these like interesting breaks. There's never yeah. a there's never a month in the year where the Titans don't get an extra day to practice against somebody. So like there there's these weird little like parts in the schedule. It's a really interesting schedule. I remember writing about it when it came out because it's just like so many like weird weeks and like travel travel then you're home but like you get to like anyway. 
but yeah, so now we're on to week 14 for game number 13 yeah. against the Jaguars. Jaguars, that's a win at home. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the Jaguars look okay, to be honest. They're much better than last year, but... Yeah, um, Lawrence looks like absolute ass in week one. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the problem is, like, he got a bajillion chances, and they put up, like, 24 or whatever they put up against Matt Ryan and them, and that's because Matt Ryan threw three picks, and, uh, that like, I think there was another, like, strip sack or something, too. Like, I mean... It it was it was pretty much like the Colts were handing the Jaguars a win. So, you know, yeah. plus that'll be like young teams get thinner as the season goes on. Like they're not a very deep team. So, I, I don't I don't expect the Jaguars to give us trouble. They don't they don't have a lot of talent. That they're, they're still no. a, little, a little ways away. Yeah. Okay. So when against the Jaguars, then we travel to the West Coast to play the Chargers. That's tough. I could see the Titans potentially winning this game because the Chargers just do Chargers things all the time. Um, and uh, until, I don't know, until they win the Super Bowl or something, I'm just going to... Or make the playoffs. Or make the playoffs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either one. Uh, um, I'm still... Also, the, the Chargers have to play their own schedule. Like So by that point, they will have had to deal with... They will be dealing yeah. with the Raiders and the Broncos and uh, the Chiefs themselves. So... They're going to have to go through it all. And look, like, Justin Herbert's awesome, but he still makes some dumb decisions. Like, he <laughs> like he still makes, like, like the whole, like, waving a guy, like, back onto the field and not letting him check out and then throwing it to him when he, like, tapped his helmet out and then throwing a 100-yard pick six. Like, that's just – that's just a bad way to – like, I, I don't – I don't – I don't like that at all. But the Chargers are, are an awesome team yeah. and they're fun, like, just in terms of the players they have. But – uh, he, let's not anoint him as the the chosen one yet. Like let's let's kind of see where he goes. But I I, I would I'm gonna pencil that in as a loss just because they're such a good team yeah. and we have to see the Titans bounce back. But I, I do think that we we should probably reevaluate at halfway just to see where we are with the Chargers. Yeah, I, at this point in time, I would say that the Chargers should win that game because they have their defense looks really solid. Um, and, and Herbert, you know, can do Herbert things. So yeah. I'm going to say that's a loss for now. Then we play the Texans at home. Uh, that is that a Saturday game? I think it might be. Yeah, um, it's a Christmas Eve. Christmas game, yeah. So okay. they're away yeah. from their families on Christmas Eve. Titans should win that game, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a win. And then they play the Cowboys on a short week on Thursday night. Football. Two Thursday night football games. Interesting. Yeah, and they uh, host, which is which they is host, interesting. Yeah, huge. That is big. The the schedule makers actually help them out uh, with that yeah. one, playing the Texans and the Cowboys um, at home in a short week. I think the Titans win that game. I don't think the Cowboys are very good. Um, Mike McCarthy. No, Michael Parsons is awesome. <laughs> but Michael, Michael but, Parsons. Yeah, Dak should yeah. be back. But even when Dak was playing week one, they looked like dog crap like that offense that offense is not very good i don't know what kellen moore uh, does i don't know what mike mccarthy does uh i'm gonna say that's a win for the titans yeah okay and then they finish up with the jaguars on the road uh getting flashbacks painful flashbacks you know uh to to the to the mariota one from a couple years ago yeah uh, where we needed to beat the jaguars to to make the playoffs but Still the Jaguars, uh, I'm going to pencil it in as a win. Um, 
even if they lose that game, they might <laughs> they might have already won the AFC South anyway. Um, so we came out with ten wins for the Titans, ten and seven. Uh, we could flip flop one or two, but yeah, I mean, I know they look bad, but the schedule lends itself to between eight to ten wins. I would say. The, the, does that make sense to you? Yeah, like eight wins feels like the floor. At like ten wins, like I, they're gonna. If this Titans team is anything like the Titans teams in the past, they're gonna surprise us with somebody in that middle stretch because that's when they really sort of like stack their wins is the middle of the season. So whether it's the Packers who they seem to alternate wins with, or the Chiefs, or you know whoever that is, like they could be stronger than that. Like it could be eight wins. It could be 11 wins at the end of the season, you know, anywhere in that range, depending on how much they're willing to adjust and and adapt. But yeah, like it it really helps when we have that next like five game stretch where it's, you know, even like, even if we flip uh, one of the Colts games and the Raiders game and they end up, they start out one and three, like they still probably get, to three and or to four and three by uh you know the start of november and then they've got a tough stretch but the you know the tough stretches like i said like that's where they've won whether you know they took greg maben and uh whoever was playing the other corner because it wasn't fulton at the time and i don't think it was jenkins and they took them and they shut out patrick mahomes so you know that this team gets these weird you know shots of greatness so who knows i mean uh it's a lot of who knows at this point but i still don't think they're gonna break their streak of having winning seasons i think it's just unfortunate that they dropped one um by one point or like last week and then last night they lost one by a bajillion and had backups in but they also had four turnovers you know muffed punts like where they stopped being aggressive they forgot how to you know play offense like i don't i don't think they're as bad as what they've shown so far but i think we're ha- we're gonna have to temper down our expectations on a playoff run until we see anything positive yeah it's kind of funny all we've done is kind of crap on the Titans, and we still give them 10 wins when going through the schedule um yeah but i mean if they ju- if they just don't make stupid mistakes they should win uh, a lot of these games because th- these aren't these other teams aren't all that much better than them yeah it's 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 so weird because everything we know about this team like we've said is that middle of the season end of the season they will get hot and they'll perform better that's when their running game starts to kick back up so until that doesn't happen it's hard to just write them off completely and you know bad losses are not something that you know we're unfamiliar with like we we're very familiar with these lulls for a month at a time where it's just like well great like the titans started off five and oh and then they lost three out of four and you know it's like that they do these things where they start off hot or and then they cool off or they start off cool and then they heat up like they they're not a team that's been but and that's what happens when you have winning year after winning year is there's this optimism that the guys in the locker room are good enough to pull out of this and when you've got Robert Woods and Tannehill and Derrick Henry 
and Ben Jones and Austin Hooper and uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Kevin Byard, Imani Hooker, who has honestly been the best player on defense the the last two weeks. Hooker's looked great. And then you have like Bud Dupree and Danico Autry had his best game of the year last night when he had a sack and another quarterback hit. Like it's like you've got guys where if all of a sudden Fulton uh, and Molden are healthy in a couple of weeks and you get Fulton, Molden and McCreary and then, you know, you go after like if that if that's what you roll with and it looks like what it's supposed to look like, then all of a sudden the world's a different place. And, and so you know, we'll see what happens. Like we, we spent a lot of time bashing the Titans coaches and I think that's still completely valid, but at some point, whether they want to or not, I think they'll have to make a change, whether it's saying, okay, downing you're fired or whether it's saying, okay, downing, you're going to still call plays, but your, your list of how many plays you're going to call is significantly reduced and we'll figure out what to do with you at the end of the year. Like, uh, but something has to change, and I don't believe that Mike Vrabel is so committed to Todd Downing that he's willing to risk his job for it. I don't think so either. That would be extremely stupid, and I, I just don't. I just don't see him doing that. Like he should. He should care about his job uh, a little bit more than just being loyal to a guy who's not very good at his. Uh, so we're gonna take one more ad break, and then we're gonna wrap up with stop the nonsense. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. We barely talked about the Raiders, but hopefully the Titans just win that game. Uh, we're going to wrap up with Stop the Nonsense. Will, do you want to go first? Yeah, uh, so I'm so disgusted with the Titans at this point in the NFL in general that I went to the college ranks. And uh, for everybody listening, it's Florida Hate Week, unless you like Florida, and then go ahead and turn off our podcast and listen to, the, to it next week. Um, but Brett McMurphy had a tweet that's hadn't gone viral, but it's, everybody's been quote tweeting it and laughing at it and posting videos about it. But, uh, it's about Florida coach Billy Napier, who said, uh, when he was asked about Anthony Richardson, their quarterback, uh, and how he thought he would do in his first sec road start against Tennessee, he said, it's not like we're going to Canada and they're going to change the rules. Uh, it's going to be the same game. It's just going to be a little louder and played in a different location. And, I don't know if anybody has it, listened to this has been to Knoxville and, uh, you know, it just heard. So last week against Akron, they, they had a sellout and there was a hundred thousand people there and they were mildly interested and it was loud this week. It's going to be like old miss was last year where it's just going to be on fire and college game day is going to be there. So people are going to start their, their party and earlier and there, I mean, it's going to be one of the loud, not not in college football, not in American sports. It's going to be one of the loudest venues that you can possibly be at because it's one of the biggest stadiums that you could possibly be at. It's a hundred plus thousand people, and 
if you give them hope that they're going to beat Florida this year and they're a top 15 team and they've got an explosive offense like they have, I mean, it's going to be so much pressure on Richardson's back that this is, I understand trying to defend your quarterback and try to downplay it so he doesn't get scared, but you, you better prepare for it because if you, if you think it's just going to be a little bit louder, it's just because you don't know what you're getting into. Yeah, good luck to good luck to the balls against UF. Um, I've barely watched any college football. Uh, I did see that the Miami Hurricanes, my alma mater, lost to Texas A&M, scoring nine points on Saturday. So that was cool. Um, how are the balls doing? Actually, I actually don't know anything. Uh, they're great. They put up sixty-three points. They've covered the spread uh, twice when they've been forty-plus point favorites. And they uh, beat Pittsburgh on the road in overtime. Uh, they're, I think they're number 12 right now uh, in the country. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're, they're pretty electric. Uh, I think they have two of the top three leading receivers in the SEC. Uh, maybe it's two of the top four, but they're, they're, they're electric. Like, the Titans should hire Heupel to be their uh, head coach <laughs> if, if that sort of offense. They have the fastest offense in college football. Uh, but Speed? if that offense worked, Mike well, Rabel would never. Would no, never. it's it's more like <laughs> it's it's more tempo. Like I think it's like we average like three and a half seconds from uh, into play to like the snap. Like it's it's just it's an absurd amount of tempo, and it's just like dicing guys up over the like it's 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 wild to watch. So um, I, I encourage you to watch this weekend and then it, report back because that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I might have to turn that one on. Uh, so I'm going to wrap up with my Stop the Nonsense. Uh, I have three of them. Um, one of them is PFF ranking Joe Flacco, third overall among all quarterbacks. Geno Smith is ranked sixth so far this season. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes is ranked 11th. Stop listening to PFF. Honestly, I would probably unfollow them on all social media. They are a scam, and you need to stop falling for their tricks. It's an absolute joke. Anyway, I'm not going to spend more time on them. I don't want to give them any uh, any publicity. My other stop and nonsense, I kind of have two. They both relate to Titans fans. Uh, one of them is the A.J. Brown thing. Like, do you guys actually think having A.J. Brown would have changed anything about that game last night? Like, I can't believe some of you actually believe um, that a lot of that had to do with A.J. Brown not being a Tennessee Titan. Um, that's just absolutely insane to me, um, and it makes no sense. He wouldn't have changed any outcome, and I don't even know if he would have changed uh, the outcome in the first game either, to, to be honest. But whatever. If it makes you feel better to blame John Robinson uh, for that and for the entire season. Uh, the other one was—I don't know if you saw the Amani Hooker uh near interception in the end zone uh i don't know if you remember it uh but a lot of titans fans were like enraged with the referees because they didn't call that an interception the ball was very clearly moving and we don't we're not like the refs are not out to get us all, all the time you know like they may have blown a call or two but that one come on like it was very clear they even showed a replay from behind the end zone that showed the ball completely moving 
as he's off the ground and didn't have his feet down. Like, let's all relax. They're, 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 not everything is against the Titans, and, and sometimes uh, we're just bad, and, and, and that's what it was. Yeah, you talk about that interception. It, it was crazy because it looked like there was no way he caught it, and they showed the replay, and they showed this weird back angle where, like, you can't see the ball and it, like you can see him drag his toe and it's like maybe, you know, maybe it's an interception. I think it was within it was. Yeah, I know it was within two minutes. It was it was and an so, insane effort. Like, yeah, like crazy. it was. Yeah, it was, it was a really good job. And so it, like I get why Titans fans like thought that. But then they showed another replay where like he has it. And then as he's going down, he re grasped like he like it, it, it moves in a way to where it's like, OK, if you're doing you have to catch the ball, have it and maintain it. Then he didn't do that because he re grasped. But like he did he did catch the ball. It's just he caught it twice. And because of that little double clutch and because the Titans can't challenge within two minutes, you know, th that's why it happened the way it did. But yeah, it, it, it did kind of suck because then they scored on the fourth down and it, you know, you feel like, okay. Like, because even the, the offsides that they, or the false start that they called where the whole stadium was screaming for an offsides, like it felt like maybe the refs were trying to give them one back because it was the right call. Like, you know, the neutral zone, they never went in the neutral zone. Uh, the Titans didn't, but like there was a clear, like he clearly like touched the defensive lineman and was like, was trying to sell it like he was off sides. So, you know, it, it felt like maybe they were trying to give them one back, but yeah, like it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a pick and it's it, as much as I want it to be and want to yell about it. Like I still remember how Danico Autry had a sack and he only ended up with nine, even though he really had 10 because he had a sack in overtime against the jets and they just called it a tackle for loss. Like it's like, I, I, I promise I would hold that grudge with y'all, but this is, this is not the one to fight it. Not, not this one. I actually do. I have a fourth stop in nonsense. It's uh, Sean McDermott uh, challenging um, that Nick Westbrook Akine catch. I think it was. Yeah, um, that was a bad. What the hell yeah. was that? I have <laughs> that to think. That was the worst challenge I, I've ever seen. That head-on view with his foot, like I can see where he's like, okay, maybe he didn't get that foot in. But thanks for the replay, and it's just like a mile of like, uh, like the black uh, little like chips or whatever that are in the artificial turf. Uh, pellet yeah. and then that's just like flying up and it's like okay yeah that's a terrible job so bad so bad uh that'll do it for us hopefully we can come back next week and talk about his titans win uh if they don't or if they lose in outstanding fashion uh i don't know i i, I don't know what we'll talk about but uh hopefully the Titans win this game uh and uh and get back on track hopefully for for the rest of the season so for matthias for will uh, thank you guys for tuning in, and remember to always stop the nonsense. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.